girls, you sing beautifully. That, I just... We are so blessed. Well, we have some interesting news. Uh, The trip to Sudan was supposed to happen next week, and our government has changed some laws regarding shipping um, medical equipment, and so it's pushed it back, the trip back to the springtime. And so with a big sigh of relief in my heart, to not have to get on a plane and go to the Sudan in a couple of weeks is a real blessing. Uh, so perhaps, Lord willing, see how things unfold. It may be a trip in the spring. Um, I wanted you to know that. So uh, one of those Sundays, I'm going to keep the guest speaker because he's phenomenal. Uh, but one of those su- Sundays, I'll just I'm, I'm just here is what I'm saying. From here on out until Christmas, I'm here. All right. I'm glad to be back, man. It is so nice not to speak like this. And today, the, James is trying to tell us, uh, that just, it's nice just to be able to, with no waiting. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, by the way, new visitors, I see a whole bunch of faces I don't recognize. I like to pride myself on, I know most of your names. Um, just tear off the back of a bulletin and just say, hey, I'm a new face and here I am and help us to get to know you a little bit better. I understand that Pastor Rick Hahn did an excellent job having pastored 30 years at Sebastopol Christian Church and um, I was so relieved to get emails even over in Romania that he did a splendid job. I was so glad you were in capable hands. Now, as for this week, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to come and present the word. And it looked like I I may have been able to do that, but you just don't know. Like I said, it's 2.30 in the morning for me or some uh, middle of the night hour. So I asked Brother uh, Alan Haley to be ready to preach for me. He's preached here several times before. He's just got such a sweet, comforting, encouraging, uplifting spirit about him that every time he speaks, you just get... I, I don't know if cuddle is the right word. <laughs> Probably not for a guy guy. But, but uh, in, in a manly way, you get cuddled in the Lord. <laughs> so why don't you welcome Pastor Allen here. There we go. Get cuddled. How's that, huh? Well, thank you, Ross. I appreciate the opportunity to be up here. I know it's, uh, for a pastor, this is sacred ground up here, and so I feel honored that you've allowed me to do this and and speak this morning. You know, as I woke up this morning and I saw the downpour, I thought, wow, what a storm. Did you guys like that storm last night? In in our house, we got huge trees that are just waving back and forth. I'm thinking, are those things going to come down on us or what? But it's the first storm of the year, it feels like, right? Well, how appropriate, because we're going to talk about storms this morning. Storms that come upon us and storms that we create ourselves. Do we We create our own storms sometimes, don't we? Our own trials, our own problems in life. Well... 
for Terry and I, my wife Terry and I, we got married in 1982, and about nine years later, we encountered one of the biggest storms in our relationship. And I won't go into all the details, but it's something that really was painful, uh, devastating, um, and really rocked our family for a number of years. And out of that storm, um, we were able to really repair and rebuild. And uh, that's something that, we, that God has, has allowed us to do. It's not, it's not something we did, but it's really, and it's a huge story, but it's all about what God did. And out of that, over the last six months, he's allowed us to uh, put together a, um, a marriage workshop and I just want to let you guys know that we have a marriage workshop coming in December um, that we tell our story and we talk about how to manage the storms of life, uh, especially in marriage. Because don't they come in marriage? Don't they come in marriage? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just the place they, uh, they seem to happen the most. Um, two weeks ago, we got rumor, uh, we got word in our office that the company was going to come through and do layoffs. Okay? Now, I, I'm sure in a crowd this big, there's other people in here that have experienced that. And I remember that whole week just really struggling about what's going to happen. Am I going to get laid off? Who, in my, who of my friends are going to be laid off? What's this going to happen? You know, and for so this whole week, I'm dealing with this huge storm that's coming my way. And I don't know what to, do, what to make of it. And, you know, this time, in, this time in history is a time when things are kind of falling apart, wouldn't you say? Difficulties are arising. Trials are around us. We're all facing them, whether it be at work, whether it be at home, whether it be at families, relationships. We're all facing it. Well, what do we do in these times what do we do in these troubling times, in these times of trial? Well, that's where I want us to direct our attention back to the Old Testament and see if we can't glean some, uh, some, some principles back in the Old Testament that can help us. Because I, I got a feeling that I'm not the only one going through some tough times right now in this room. So let's, let's open our Bibles back to Exodus and take a look at Exodus chapter 14. And as you make your way to Exodus 14, we're going to start in verse 10. I mean, I could, I could tell about the whole, this is the whole story about the, the Israelites, the nation, um, being freed by Moses from Egypt, you know, wandering out and being led out uh, away from Egypt, and they come up against the Red Sea. And this is where we find them up against the Red Sea, and they turn around and they realize there's a huge cloud building in the distance, and that huge cloud, they can hear a noise come in, and guess who it is? It's the Egyptians coming after them. So here's the Egyptian army with all their chariots and their vast army heading for this weak and small and frail group of slaves sitting by the Red Sea, they got the Red Sea on one side and the Pharaoh's army charging them on the other side, kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. And so what do you think God tells them to do at a time like that? Let's read it together. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, 
The Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And listen to Moses' response. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will see, never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And here's the phrase. You need only to be still. You need only to be still. Now, some of your, if you've got different translations, it says a couple of different things. Some say, keep silent, be silent. The um, Amplified says, you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. But the idea is, hey, relax, chill out, be still in this moment. Can you imagine if you were in that group and that's what Moses told you, to be still? I'm telling you what. I would not be still at a moment like that, would you? (laughs) That would be the last thing I would be thinking about doing at that time. I would be yelling at, you know, a couple of people saying, grab them logs over there and that styrofoam over there. Oh, they didn't have styrofoam back then. Grab that styrofoam over there, but we'll start building something so we can, you know, get away. We're going to figure out some way to get away or or pick up those rocks and we'll use them as weapons. Whatever. The last thing I want to do is be still. But I'm going to tell you this morning, I really believe that's God's message to all of us. Be still. When you're faced with a predicament like they were, where the army and you're being, you know, one side you look out and you see the clouds rising and here comes the storm towards you and you're backed up against the Red Sea, God wants us to be still. To be still. Now let's unpack be still. I think there's some nuances to this be still that we we can really uh, gain some insight here. I think the first thing that he's alluding to here for um, for the Israelites is to be still, and I like the way the NIS, uh, I mean the New American Standard says it, it says keep silent. Because if you go back to the verses that I read here, what were the, what were the Israelites doing? <laughs> they were complaining, they were moaning and groaning, and they were saying, you know, hey, didn't we, t- didn't we tell you we want to stay in Egypt? And I'm thinking back, you didn't tell them you wanted to stay in Egypt. You were crying out, let's get out of Egypt. You were in slavery back there. You hated it back there. But now you're saying all this good stuff, you know. Moses, what are you doing bringing us out here to die? So I think when it, when, when the, right here, what Moses is telling them to do, and and it's translated, is to, to shut your mouth. That's the Hebrew. Shut your, shut your trap. Now I say that with comfort, Right? With love and comfort. But there are times when you and I, in the midst of things, if, you, if, we, if we look in the mirror, we're just whining and complaining and, and you know, bringing up all kinds of weird uh, you know, ideas of how good it was back then. And you know, We got all kinds of stuff that we talk about at that time. And I think what God wants us to do is first thing when we be still, is just to shut, to stop talking, to keep quiet, 
to turn off all the noise, to get to, as Jesus did, and it says in Luke 5, 16, and you remember this, he withdrew to a lonely place in the midst of all of the people that were charging in around him and wanting his time, he pulled aside. And I think that's what the nuance here in be still is, is to, is to quiet our hearts, to be quiet, to stop talking, to really get to that quiet, quiet place internally, to stop striving, to, to not do what I said I would do is start building this, you know, this boat, but cease striving. It's kind of like when you're out in the, in, in the water. Anybody that's been on life-saving or, or worked with life-saving in, in the water as a lifeguard, one of the things that, that people do when they are starting to drown is they panic and they'll grab onto the person trying to rescue them, and somehow you have to get them to calm down, to, even if you have to knock them out, okay? Because they can't be rescued. Nothing can happen until they're, they're still and they're not unpanicked. And, and I think that's the same thing that, in, in a sense, is what Moses is trying to tell these guys. Calm down, relax, stop talking, stop complaining, and, 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 and just be quiet, Quiet your mouth, quiet your mind, quiet your heart. Just be quiet. So the best thing we can do a lot of times when we're faced with those situations is be quiet. Be quiet. You know? Um, it says in Lamentations 3.27, It's good for a man that he should bear the yoke in, uh, the <laughs> bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and be silent. Let him sit alone and be silent. I think that's, that's exactly what God wants us to do at, the, at that moment, is to, is to be quiet and do whatever it takes to be quiet. And one of the things, and I've said this many times, especially to my kids, is that to be quiet, guess what? You've got to turn some stuff off in this, in this day and age, don't we? Okay, we've got to turn some stuff off, like some TVs. We've got to turn off, you know, the cell phones, uh, you know, here's one, and, and you guys in the 50-year-old range, us old guys, um, can realize how many of you have kids that are, you know, saying, and I know a lot of us are involved in the texting, but that's one of those things that I, I keep wrestling with my kids about, that there's advantages to texting, but there's disadvantages. You're always on call with texting, and it feels like somebody can get in and you have get into your life and, and, and contact you at any moment, at any time. It, it didn't used to be that way. And I think it's harder today to manage the quietness, especially with texting, to be able to put it aside. What happened in the days when somebody would call and they wouldn't get a return call until that evening? Right? I mean, what happened to those days? They're gone, I know. I mean, I get calls all the time. Hey, it's been 30 minutes. You haven't called me back. Come on. <laughs> so we have a hard time being still and being quiet. You know, another part of being still, once we get quiet and once we're, we're stopped, when, when, when Moses told him to be still, I think there's another component to this, is be still and listen. Be still and listen. I think listening is a, is a lost it's just a, a lost concept in the Christian community that God is speaking to us all the time. The, the Bible says he speaks from the creation, from the mountains. The rocks will speak. I think he's speaking a lot more than you and I know because we're not listening. Okay? We're not listening. Ecclesiastes 5.1 says this, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. 
go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they, what they do wrong. In John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It's all about listening. And that's a lost art. And that is a discipline that you and I have to get into our life if we're going to walk closely with God, is to be able to be still and listen and hear his voice and recognize his voice. I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of voices out there, aren't there? There are a lot of voices telling you this, be afraid of that, worry about this, you know, be concerned about that, go this way, go that way. And you and I have got to be workmen, you know, as, as Timothy says, rightly dividing the words so that we know when the voice that comes in, we know if it's God's voice or not. And we can't listen and know that unless we're quiet and we got our ears attuned. Mary and Martha in the New Testament. We know the story, right? Okay. They came, Jesus came to visit them. One of them was busy, and the other one was sitting at his feet just listening to him. And who did he, who did he point out as the one that was doing what was better? Yes, Mary was at his feet listening to him. And I think that's the important thing because, let me, let me tell you this, that I think when God speaks, it's in a whisper. It's not always loud. The world is loud, but it's in a whisper, and it's quiet. And so unless we're still and quiet and listening, we're not going to hear it. Turn back to 1 Kings, if you can. Chapter, uh, actually, I've turned to the right. Uh, go to 1 Kings. And this is, many of you know this story. It's an awesome story. I won't go into the whole thing. But basically, it's uh, Elijah, and he's going up. He's the last prophet in the, in the country, and uh, everybody's following the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the, the evil prophets. And um, the king has instituted, it's just a mess. And basically, Elijah calls a challenge on Mount Carmel. You guys remember this story? He brings in everybody, all the prophets of Baal, and he lines them up, 450 of them. He says, okay, you guys build your altar. I'll build my altar. You call on your gods. I'll call on my God, my God. and we'll see what happens. And the Baals, it's, it's a funny story. You have to read this story. But it, it's funny because this is the first incident of trash talking in the, in, in, in the Bible. Because the Baals and, the, and, the, and the, the prophets of Baal are over there, you know, and they got their, their, their sacrifice on the altar, and, and they're jumping around, you know, and hollering out to their gods to send fire down to burn this up, and they're tearing their clothes off and cutting themselves, and Elijah looks back and says, oh, why don't you call a little louder? He might be asleep, you know, and he starts... Uh, chanting them a little bit. But here's what I want to do is I want to get past that part and I want to go to the part where Elijah, after all this happens and he calls down the fire from God and God consumes the fire and consumes the water around the fire and proves that he is the true God, then Jezebel is, is, ups, is angry at him. He, he gets word that Jezebel, the queen, is angry at him. And so after all this happens, he runs up into the mountains into a cave. He's scared. It's amazing how the Old Testament is like that. Miraculous things happen, and the next thing that happens, it's like it didn't ever happen, and, these, and they forget what happened, what God did, and that God can take care of things like that. But anyway, let's find Elijah up in the cave. And this is 19, 
verse, actually, it's verse 12. Am I? Nope, it's actually verse 11. So the Lord said, go out, and st- go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out, and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? It's in the quietness. In the quietness that God speaks. In the whisper. It's not in all the supernatural. Sometimes he chooses to do that. But most of the time, it's in that quiet whisper. So we need to be still and listen for his voice. The third thing that we need to do when we talk about be still, and this is one that is really difficult, but it's be still and wait. Be still and wait. Okay? The world is all about hurry up, and God is all about patience and wait. Okay? So the reality is that we've got to, as Psalm 37, 6, 8 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. In Lamentations, it says, it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Well, you see, I'm not one, and I'm sure there's a lot of you like me, that waiting is probably one of the most difficult things to do, isn't it? I was just sitting there uh, two days ago at an intersection and thinking, you know, you see the light and you go, okay, I think I can make this. Right? You start stepping on the gas and you go, you know, what I got going on is more important than anybody else here driving anyway. So I got to get through that thing. And sure enough, turns yellow. I pull in and I have to stop because I can't make it through. And I'm sitting there waiting. And I'm realizing as I'm watching all these cars moving in and out and, and going, I started realizing the value of waiting. <laughs> the value of waiting. I go... You know what? This wouldn't work right. These intersections wouldn't work right if somebody wasn't waiting. Right? And, and I started to get a whole different perspective. And I think that's important for us to see that waiting is part of God's, God's design in this world. Waiting is part of how he's drawing us and growing us up and maturing us in him. You know, we live in Sonoma County, great wine country. Okay? Lots of grapes out there. We drive by them all the time. Well, I'm not a farmer. I can't, grew up in the city. And I, you know, not too long ago found out exactly why they have to wait until a certain point to pick grapes or fruit for that matter. You got, we can relate to this. Some, you pick it too early, it doesn't taste good. But if you wait and you pick it at the right time, the sugar levels are the right thing and it tastes good. There's something about waiting that allows the sugar levels and allows those fruits to ripen, to grow, to mature to the point where they, where they have value. And I think, when I think about the word wait, I think about that's what God's doing in our life. He's ripening us internally. He's growing us up, maturing us, and getting us to a point where we're sweet. <laughs> think about that. Trying to develop sweetness in us. And I, th- I look out here, there's a lot of you that need some sweetness. 
So I'm, I'm praying for you that there'll be a lot of waiting in your life, okay? All right, number four, be still and know. Be still and know. This is what it says in Psalm 46. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. Know that I am the creator. Know that I am infinite and you are finite. That you are not God, that I am God. That's what he's trying to say to us. And how many times a day do we need to hear that message? Okay? Because I'm telling you what. When we get in tough times and difficult situations, we will try every bit of our intelligence, our strength, our willpower, everything else to get out of it, to make it work. And God is saying, you know what? It's not until you are weak that I am strong. It's not until I put you up and pin you up against the, the, the Red Sea until you know that you are weak and I am strong and I am the one that's going to deliver you, that I am the one, as it says, in, if we go back to this Exodus passage, that I am the one that's going to deliver you, that I'm going to fight for you, and you will know the Lord is with you. You will know the Lord is with you. See, God wants to do a work in our hearts, but he also wants to bring glory to himself, right? He wants the world to know. I mean, Ezekiel is a great book. If you go through and... and um, and, and put in, um, in some of those, um, I do a Bible gateway. It's a, it's, it's a great program online where you can put in phrases. You will know. I put in the word, you will know, those three words, okay? And Ezekiel, that came up like almost 50 times. You will know. And the whole purpose is God does what he does so that you and I will know. And the world will know that he is God and we are not. That we are sheep. Even though we don't think we are, and even though we've created computers and we've created rocket ships and we've created all this great stuff and, and the world wants us to think we are grand and we are capable and there's anything we can do, the reality God is kind of trying to tell us is, no, I don't care what you, it's not by might, not by spirit, but, excuse me, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, right? Exactly, that's what he's about. And so when we are still and we know that he is God, then great things can happen, and he gets the glory for that. This is a hard concept. Let me tell you a story I, I recently uh, saw on TV. I'm a big fan of the Discovery Channels and the Animal, and my wife kind of laughs at me all the time. What are you doing, watching them monkeys again out there? Or... Well, no, this time it's the lions, okay? But anyway, this particular one, you know, by the way, I Shouldn't Be Alive, great show. You know, I don't know how many of you watch that, but that's a great one. But that's not what this one was about. This one was about a humpback whale in Australia. And, this, um, and, and what they do in Australia is they create these nets around the swimming area so that the jellyfish don't come in and sting the people, Okay. So they've done this, this big net, and one morning the guys come out to, to see the net, to check on it and make sure before the, the day gets going that nobody, no jellyfish have gone through. Well, anyway, that net is gone. It's gone. And they're wondering, what the heck? Did it sink? What happened to this thing? And the more they thought about it, the more they realized the only thing that could tear this net away is a whale. So they spread out. They spread out about five miles uh, Radius, and sure enough, they find a humpback whale with this huge tail gnarled around its, uh, this huge net gnarled around its tail trying to swim away. So, for the next eight hours, 
They were in boats around this whale trying to rescue this whale. But this whale was, of course, scared trying to dive with this net. And they're sitting there trying to cut it loose and reach over and figure out how to get it loose. And here it is frantically paddling away, closing in on its death. And I thought about that. And I thought about here are humans trying to communicate with this whale to save them, to rescue him, to help him. And the whale is incapable of understanding what's going on up on the surface. And I thought, how many times in my life do I not understand what's going on in my life and what's happening in my life? And yet God's at work doing something because he tells us in his word he's at work doing something, right? And he's helping to strengthen us and rescue us. And he's, as, as Ross said earlier, he's got good on his mind for us. And he wants to lift us up out of But we're running away. We're, we're, we're running away from him. And we're running, as this whale was, to his death. Well, the good news is they finally cut that net loose and the whale went free. But that communication, be still and know that he is God. Know that his ways are above our ways, that we don't understand, but we can trust, right? We can trust him. We can trust he's got good for us and he's on our side. All right, next point, be still and choose. I think when we talk about being still and we talk about being quiet and we talk about listening and we talk about, you know, uh, waiting and knowing that he's God, I think there's something else we got to do. we got to be still and choose. Choice is one of the biggest things God gives us as Christians, I think. Before we become Christians, we don't have choices. It may seem like we have choices, but we really don't have choices. We, we don't have choices to do the better good, to follow him, until he enlivens our heart and then gives us the opportunity to choose Life or choose death. It says in Deuteronomy, This day I call heaven and earth as a witness that, you have, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. You see, the choice, when we're still and we're quiet and we're listening, and by, by the way, there is a time between some kind of stimulus in our reaction to it, okay? There is a moment in between there that we can make some choices. I talk about this uh, to a number of different people uh, just this week about the fact that things happen in our lives. We don't have to react to it. I mean, uh, we, we can respond to it. There's a difference. We've got a moment to make some choices. And, uh, and if, we'll, if we'll just take that moment to be still, we live here by the Sonoma Coast. How many of you have heard of riptides out there? You hear that all the time. The paper is, is, is full of, be careful about the riptides, you know. Well, I see that warning. I hear it. Uh, you know, I've never experienced it. I, it kind of goes in one ear out the other. Well, this past week, my kids were out there. And they came home from an adventure out of the, at the water. And they told me that they got caught up in a riptide. And they got sucked out into the ocean. And, uh, you know, both Terry and I are just, our eyes are like this. Oh, oh, you're here. Okay, you made it. Okay. But our eyes are huge thinking, well, what'd you do? We didn't panic. We relaxed. And we remembered that you just swim to the side of a riptide and then you come in instead of fighting right back against the current. So, I, you know, of course I was just, whew, 
you know, ex- excited the fact that they were there. But, but it made me think about how often we get caught up in, in circumstances in life and we start panicking and we start crying out and we start, you know, doing, striving and trying to get out of it instead of calming down and taking that moment in between there and making a choice of what we can do. We can choose. We can choose how to handle our spouse. We can choose how to deal with work. We can choose how to deal with our finances. If we'll take the time to be still, be quiet, listen, and know that we have choices in that moment. And those choices are important. I'd like to wrap it up with this. We talked about being still, being quiet, listening, trusting, knowing it's God, and choosing. The last point this morning is this. Be still and watch. Be still and watch. You know what? God, again, God wants to do something in our lives that we can go back to a lot of different people and say, wow, look what God did in my life. Look how he did this and this and this. So we could tell other people that we can be a testimony to, to God and what he's doing. Moses here said to them, you know what? Stand firm, don't be afraid, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. I'm going to show you some things. I'm going to show you some, uh, some amazing things. And how many of us miss the amazing intervention of God because we're not quiet, we're not still, we're not knowing, we're not listening, and we're not still. And we're not watching what he did. i got to wrap it up with a kind of a funny story that happened to me at the beginning of the summer. I was, um, I was up at the Feather River just taking a little personal retreat up there. And uh, I got up to the Feather River, and um, there was this one river that I like to fish on up there, and I went climbing back up in there, and it got to be warm about 12 noon, and uh, I said, wow, this is a nice place. There was this little waterfall and a nice pool, and I thought, put the fishing pole down. I said, I'm just going to jump in. So I jumped into the water, and as I jumped into the water... All of a sudden, that water whoosh pulls me down, and I start panicking a little bit, so I kick real, real hard. And the next thing I know, my water sandal flips off my foot and hits the water and starts going down the stream. Well, you have to understand, that may not sound like much to you guys, but I love my water sandals. <laughs> I just bought those water sandals. So... I'm in that moment looking at my water sandal floating down the river, and I'm going, okay, I could jump in and try to navigate all these rocks and hustle after it and probably break a leg or an arm and cut myself up. Or I got out, and I thought, well, I'll just run down the the bank, and, you know, I'll get it down the bank, and the bank was too covered with stuff. And I was sad. I was disappointed. But it went along. It was kind of interesting because I'm having, you know, these internal conversations with God. I'm going, God, you know how important that sandal is to me, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not like, you know, the, you know, the economy or, you know, all that. But for me, it's kind of important. And I said, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm missing right now in my life and I'm a, a little sad of is, you know, I, I just feel like you've been a little silent. So, you know, what would be a cool thing to happen is if I get back to my camp, which is about three miles down, and I go right out to the, right by the camp. The river goes right by there. I said, it'd be cool if I walked out there and there was the sandal. I would just know for sure that you're alive and that you love me and that, 
Everything's good. So this is my naive little, you know, thinking. So I go back to the camp. No sandal. Wake up the next morning. I'm leaving the next morning. No sandal. So I'm sad. I'm bummed. I go home. I'm thinking about it for the next two weeks. <laughs> Every day. I'm debating, do I go get new water sandals? I only got one. What do you do with one water sandal? What? Paperweight? What do you, what do you use it for? So I finally decide, I'm going to go over to Sports Authority near my work, and I walk in there and um, talk to the guy, and he says, oh, yeah, there's, it's, there's a few left down at, the, uh, down at this bin. So I go to this bin, and they're all little kids' pink ones. And I'm thinking, this ain't going to work. But I dig, and in the middle of it, I find one black one. One. I pull the one out, I look at it, turn it over, it's my size. It's my color, it's my size. Then I look at it and I go, it's the right foot. It's the right foot. I'm kidding you not. It was the exact one that I lost two weeks ago. Is that a God moment? He is speaking to my heart. Alan, I got you covered. I got, I got amazing things, you know, that I do. It's not going to be in the way you think, but it's in the way I operate. And if you'll be still, be quiet, listen, and trust, guess what? Just like the Egyptians, he made the way through the water, right? He held it back up. He provided a way through so they'd have a story for the years to come. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. But we, he can't do it if we're busy, we're stressed out, we're, it's too noisy, we're not listening, and we're not trusting and knowing that he is God, right? Amen. Let's pray together. Even this morning, Lord, we still our hearts before you. And we know every moment of every day, as we get still, you will touch us deep down in the core of our heart. You will touch us. You want to speak to us. You want to guide us. You want to help us through the storms of life and the difficulties of life. And how many times do we get in the way, Lord? How many times do we get in the way? So this morning, we just... We just acknowledge the fact that, yeah, we're, we're sheep, we've gone astray, we do our own thing, we wander away, we're rebellious, we're stubborn. I mean, you name it, the list is long, Lord. But if we'll let go and we'll just release it and, we, and we'll be still before you, you've got great and miraculous things you want to do in our lives and show us so that we have a story, Lord, a story about you that we can bring glory to you. Thank you for this time that we've had this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.